Thank you for joining me for the Sermon of the Week. Coming to you from Studio B, housed inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks. 728 North Main Street in Lauren, Missouri, if you want to come see us. The Sermon of the Week is brought to you by the New Old School Podcast in Church at the MHC. Join me today as we revisit our Sunday morning service, September 19th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today's Sermon of the Week, what is it to be a Christian? That is who he is, but you've got him to be that to you, amen? That's up to you. It's, it is who he is. He can't help it, but you've got to allow him to be that for you, amen? Praise God. Appreciate you all being here this morning. Let's get right to it. I want to spark you from what I call, uh, what, churchanity back into Christianity. You know, I feel like that word has really just been so cheapened. Well, I'm a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. What are you? Well, I'm a Christian. When they don't know what else to identify with, I'm a Christian, I guess, because I'm in the U.S., right, or whatever. We've allowed the world to steal that from us and make that word Christian mean something so cheap. I mean, you ask people, well, I'm a Christian, I guess, you know. I guess, I don't know. So it's become something for those that uh, they wanna say that they're not denominational possibly. Maybe they don't go anywhere. Maybe they're not really connecting with a local body perhaps or something. Uh, you know, so I'm a Christian. It's been stolen from us, but I wanna take it back because I wanna be sure that you understand what it means to be able to call yourself one, to be able to call yourself a Christian. Now I know, if you're like me, we really talk about being sons and daughters, right? Sons and daughters of God, we talk that way. But I wanna talk about this word Christian this morning to be able to walk out of these doors and live the life as a Christian where it moves from just this set of moral rules, right? That's how I was raised. It it wasn't really the get to do's, it was mostly the do nots. Don't do this and don't do that and don't do this. And so WWJD turned into what wouldn't Jesus do instead of what would Jesus do? And we pounded the hell out of everybody instead of loving the hell out of them. What wouldn't Jesus do? Well, he wouldn't do that. And he wouldn't do what you did. Well, if we'd get to doing what he would do, you wouldn't have time to worry about what he wouldn't do. But when you don't know what it really means to call yourself a Christian, to have God move into your life and what that actually means to you, you will spend your whole life focusing on the negative and never seeing the positive. That that cross was a, a plus sign, right? He didn't take anything from us. He gave us a whole bunch. And it was supposed to be a good thing. And so I wanted to move out of this set of moral rules into something relational. And because once you do that, then it becomes something supernatural. You know, how many of you know I've got my oldest son here this morning? I've got my youngest son here this morning. There's just some things that they get to do because they're Allens that you won't get to do. I'm talking in, in relationship to their father. There's just some things that they have rights to do without even thinking about it because they hold a name at the end of that that came from their father and you hold the name Christian, like Christ. There's some things that you just get to do that we don't have to worry about the things they don't get to do. There's a whole lot of things they can do that it's just part of the relationship. They don't have to sit here and think, I wonder. They, they walk into, into our house at any time, right? Right? You know, growing up and and, and coming in and out of the house, opening up the refrigerator and grabbing anything out of there that they want. They can go upstairs and sleep on sheets they didn't buy, in air conditioning that they're not paying for, drinking water that they didn't pay that water bill. But there was just some things that they didn't need to worry about because they had a father that said, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches, not to what you have. So there's just some things that we've got to remember that we just have. These aren't things that we're striving for. 
See, they can't strive. If you cut them open, they're Allens. It's in their DNA. It's just in there. And as much as they want to, I know both of them have done this at times because I've done it, and probably Michael more than Lucas as he's getting older, that you've done some things that you thought, <laughs> that was my dad. I remember we were, we were over here at the mall holding a summit years ago when we were over there and Michael was over there helping me and he was moving some cords and there was a woman that was um, a youth leader of Michael's for years. So she's known our family very well. And Michael was over there doing something and she walked over there and she's like, oh, that's Michael. And she came over to him and she said, I, I swore that was you because of the mannerisms and the way he was moving and the way he was holding himself. And she said, I thought that was you and it was Michael. And see, there's just some things that you have. He didn't have to try to do that. It's just who he is. Because he's been around the father. He's been around his father. He's an Allen. He, he can't help but have the mannerisms and the movements and some of the things that, that his father has. And he's not striving to do it. He was just being who he was. And yet the influence of a father in his life and the way that that shook out, somebody that has known us forever. Isn't that what they said about John the Baptist? Here's a man wearing... Uh, goat skin, his hair is crazy, he, he's got a locust wing stuck in his tooth and honey coming off of his face, and they said, that might be the Messiah. That guy over there yelling, prepare ye the way of the Lord. It wasn't about his appearance, though. It was because he looked like Jesus. You get what I'm talking about. It, it wasn't the appearance because they didn't think that that guy looked, but they said, that might, we gotta go find out. We don't know. He's walking so much like him. In the he wasn't trying, though. He was just being John the Baptist, but he so reflected that relationship they thought that might be the Messiah. They didn't know. Could that be said of you? Where somebody's walking along and they're like, I don't know, but that might be the Messiah. And what do I mean by that? Maybe just to them. Maybe you're the only Jesus they're ever gonna meet. And so maybe they need a, a Josh Baker Jesus. Maybe they need a Jimmy Jesus. You get what I'm saying? A Dion Jesus. You'd be the only Jesus that they're ever gonna see. But this comes because we're in a supernatural season. We find ourselves in need of some people that are walking in the truth of who they are. Religion's not getting it done, friends. Religion has failed us. Religion, it just the title, that's failed us. You know, it used to be that everybody just went to church. I mean, that was just the thing. You go to church. You just, it's not like that anymore. I don't know if you noticed. Now it's, we just don't go to church. But that's okay because it's not about this anyway. And I love that we did wake up to that idea that it's not about coming into a building that that's not it, that praise God we can. We see the disciples doing that, right? They always came together, but they came together to edify each other, to build each other up, to talk it out, and then they went right back out. They went right back out, and that's what's gotta start happening right here with us, praise God, walking in the truth of who you are. So many today are walking in perceptions of what others have said, especially if you live here at the lake. I've been here since 1978, and there's a whole bunch of people that think they know who I am according to who they say I am. I remember the first tent revival we did, we did it right on Highway 5 in this big thing, and I remember a guy coming to somebody and saying, who does Donnie Allen think he is? Down there holding the tent revival. We knew him when, well, I'm sorry, that man died. He's been crucified with Christ. You can't hold that. That man's dead. It's not me living anymore, but it's Christ living in me. You can't hold those old sins against me. He's dead. And dead men don't answer for their sins anymore. You can't hurt them, glory to God. Crucified. But there is this thing that's crept into the church now and as how those should conduct themselves being called a Christian. Sit up a little straighter, dress a certain way, 
talk a certain way, which y'all are faking it anyway, because we know the real you, who Jesus chose, by the way. He knew exactly what he was getting into when he said you, exactly who he was. Peter was not a very calm, cool, collected guy. He took somebody's ear off trying to cut his head off for Jesus, though. Have any of you ever wanted to swing a sword? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Somebody in the name of Jesus. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to pray and bring you. I'll bring you back to the healing center, and we'll pray your head gets put back on. But I do see by the Spirit of God a supernatural people arising in this generation that are not satisfied, not manifesting the glory of God. Have you been uneasy? I want more. I need more. I need to experience more of God. I want more. And so the goodness of their father, God, to a lost and dying horde of humanity. And so the things that I'm talking about this morning, again, we don't strive for this. It's just a realization of waking up to who we are. And I always think of a paint can. You go buy this. You want a certain color. You use it. You put it away for a while. And that's what happened in your Christianity. We were on fire for a while. We did some things. And then you sat on a shelf in a season for a little while. Whether it be from just whatever, you got busy, life came, COVID possibly, or maybe ministers started telling you you couldn't, maybe you got church hurt, I don't know, but you were very shook up and ready to go. Well, then we opened you up and we didn't see any color. What happened? No, it's still there. You just got to shake it and stir it back up, right? You see that paint can sitting there. Well, that's that's not the color that I just stir it up. And so we have to stir ourselves up because it's all in there. You don't strive for this. Red paint is red paint. It's in there whether we see it or not. All you got to do is stir it back up. And I want to stir that back up on the inside of you this morning to understand you've already got it in there just because you've been sitting on a shelf. And let me say this, for some of you who felt like you were passed over and hurt, no, 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 God was preserving you. He was protecting you for a season. They couldn't handle what you had then, but your time is now. He's just been protecting some of you. You felt like, man, I was looked over and hurt. No, 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 God had to get you in the right position at the right place at the right time. Because you can do a right thing in a wrong season and it still not work, right? You can do the wrong thing in a right season, right? But this is the right season and you are the right people. And God was protecting some of you when you felt like you were put on a shelf Well, he's stirring you back up. He's stirring you back up this morning, praise God. So we don't strive for this. It's just who we are. Right? We talk about this all the time. We're just the children of God. We don't even try. It's just who we are. We make no apologies for being sons and daughters of God. I'm done apologizing for being who I am. I'm just like my father. I can't help but act just like my father. I don't have to, I don't have to strive. So are you a Christian? And I'm not questioning your salvation as I'm wanting to awaken you to the reality of actually identifying as one. What is it to stand and be seen and say that I am one? And so many people have made this a a get to heaven thing, right? Oh, I get to get to heaven, that eternal vacation spot someday in the sky when it's all going to be okay. And, you know, all, and and, and so someday I'm going to die and get to heaven. Well, that's the truth for those of, those of us that have made Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Absolutely. We have an eternity waiting for us that you'll never die and we'll live with our amazing father. We know that the Bible says to be absent from the body as a believer is to be present with the Lord. By the way, you will spend eternity somewhere. You better pick the address. That's up to you. You pick the address, but you will live forever somewhere. And this morning, if you are not born again, you can be. Praise God, those online, you can contact us as well. But we've received that gift of eternal life, but I think we missed something else that applies to our lives now. Because again, what if I told you on that day that again, Jesus didn't die just to get you into heaven, but what if I told you that he died to get heaven into you? Everything in my Bible points to that being the truth right there. 
that he died to get heaven on the inside of the believer. Everything that we think about heaven, all the power, everything that we imagine heaven being, he wanted to get it inside of human bodies. And that's the purpose, to be used by God in that, yeah, someday we'll spend an eternity with him, but right now we're supposed to be that direct revelation of him upon the earth, just like Jesus. Jesus was the direct revelation and will of God in a human body, and we were supposed to be the same thing. And so just like Jesus, again, that direct revelation and manifestation of God in human flesh, and that's why Jesus said, you go heal the sick, you go cast out devils, and when you do it, you tell them that the kingdom of God, that heaven has just come nigh them. Now imagine such a statement, that there's little old you standing there, and he says, you, Ricky, go heal the sick. I mean, you go find a cancer patient right now and lay hands on him, and that cancer's gonna disappear, and if there's devils in them, get them out of there. And you even go raise the dead. And when you do, you tell them, why'd that happen? Well, because the kingdom of heaven is right here. It's just come not you. It's not just an eternal destination. It's living on the inside of beings that will live forever. And when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are the move of God going somewhere to happen. He doesn't move without you. I don't know if you noticed. Well, we just don't see anything happening. Then you get to happening. It doesn't, how many of you, when you were born again, a person came to you and told you about Jesus at some point in your life. There are, you have to do that. You have to be the one that does that. You're the carriers of the kingdom. The kingdom, kingdom carriers. And he said that a bunch of baby, this, I love that story because that's to a bunch of baby believers. These were new believers. If you read down through that story, they were new believers. They didn't know about the revelation of the Holy Ghost like we do. They don't have a Bible like you and I had. They didn't get to sit in meeting after meeting. These were brand new believers that came back and said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And they're like, we don't even know what we're doing, but we did it because it worked because we used the name of Jesus. And they were just so shocked And I love that because he says, tell them the kingdom has come nigh because you're there. Tell them that the kingdom is right here. Guys, you understand the veil is so thin between this world and that other world. Jesus ripped that veil in two so that you and I, now we don't have to go through the priest and we don't have to go through the rituals. You can walk right into the very throne room of God, not crawling on your hands and knees and oh my God, he's gonna get me. You walk right into there. Right, right, right into his face, right into God's face. And some of y'all need to do that. You need to get into God's face. He wants to see you. He wants to see you. You gotta stop living your revelation through somebody else's Jesus. You gotta get your own. I know who Jesus is to me, but if you're living through mine, it won't be the same. You gotta, you gotta have your own, and you can. You can do that. But he was just trying to let them know that heaven was on the inside of them. The power of God was already in them to go forth and be called as baby believers. They didn't, they didn't have the revelation of all this crazy stuff, but they knew one thing for sure. We can talk to devils, we can heal the sick, and we can raise the dead. Well, that'd do pretty good just that right there if we did nothing else. Glory to God. So I want to encourage you today. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, in the beginning of verse 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Let them. No, you are the only one that can pick it back up. People can try to give it to you, but you don't have to take it. People are always going to try to bring up the, no, you're a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And now at the beginning of verse 18, all things are now of God. Everything in your life can now be of God. 
who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of you has a ministry on the inside of you. However you go about it, we all have the ministry of reconciliation to go tell somebody about Jesus, whether that you, you using your words, whether that's just living your lifestyle, whether that's casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead. But either way, we all have a ministry on the inside of us to go forth and to do something. And that's you right now. The moment that you signed on the line and said yes to Jesus, boom, you got it. You don't have to wait for paperwork. You don't have to get in a pulpit. We say this all the time. Invisible pulpits are dropping down in front of you everywhere you go. There you are at the gas station, and you know right here I'm supposed to, yeah. You overheard a conversation, somebody talking about a procedure they're going to go get. Why did your ear pick up on that? Because you knew on the inside of you, wait a minute, I ought to pray for them. I ought to minister to them. So I love this. Look at it. These two verses tell us exactly why you and I can expect the miraculous to work in and through our lives, even on this very day, because we are in a season right now where God is using the miraculous as a sign to the people. And don't get it twisted because everything that we're going to do is going to point to Jesus, not a man and not a ministry. Jesus will get blamed for all of this. Isn't that what the Bible said? They'd work miracles. And then what would happen? They'd say, well, it's because of Jesus, the one that you tried to crucify, but God rose him from the dead. And it's because of him and faith in his name. That's why this just happened and his fame would spread abroad. And I love that none of these ministries got elevated because they always pointed to Jesus. They always pointed to Jesus. But on the flip side of that, don't let people make you feel like you can't do it because on the flip side, that's the other thing is we could get so humble and step back so far, well, I'm, I'm not gonna do anything because, hey, we know you. We know it's not you, okay? Well, I don't want people, you know, just like that, who does Donnie Allen think he is? Who's Donnie Allen? Donnie Allen ain't working the miracles. It's Jesus. He gets the glory. So don't let him try to box you into that either because guess what? It takes somebody. Say, I'm somebody. It doesn't take everybody, but it does take somebody. And we are those somebodies. But God's using people as he does, men and women, to accomplish. But if any man or any woman be in Christ, it says, well, this goes way beyond religion then. If any man or woman be in Christ, this is way more than a bunch of rules and regulations. This is not some, uh, merely a philosophy or a theory of life. Oh, we believe in some creative being and something. No, I believe in God the Almighty. Not something out there in the cosmos and some higher power. I believe in God Almighty, Jehovah. Not just some, don't cheapen this for me, some mystic cosmic thing out there floating around. It is God on purpose, doing things on purpose with a purpose. And he's doing it through you, praise God. This has nothing to do with where you go to church or if you go to church at all. No, my friends, your Christianity is way, way more. But man has come along and has really perverted this with the, from the original intent of what Christianity was supposed to be. So what do they do? They make up doctrines to cover man's failure to believe the word of God. Well, we prayed and it didn't. We believed and it didn't. Well, I can't tell you why it didn't for you, but what do you do with the group over here that says we prayed and it did? <laughs> we laid hands on them and it did. Well, we don't believe in that. Well, funny, you don't believe in it and you don't see it, and we believe in it and we see it. Hmm. Weird. That's a pretty simple problem right there, I feel like. All things are possible to them that doubt and question and wonder. It's to those who believe. All things, impossible things. Doctrines to cover up man's failure to believe the word of God in its fullness. Now Christianity is coming to a building. Now Christianity is based off a bunch of rules and regulations. We do this here and we don't do that here. 
rules and regulations. We don't wear that. We don't dress that way. We don't like that and we like this. It's based off of rules and regulations in a particular denomination. We believe this and that and don't do this and don't do that. And so it's really become no more than a secular club based on rules if you want to be a member here. And if you don't want to follow the rules, you can't be a member here. And so that's really all that Christianity has become is just a bunch of a social club here. All the requirements and the rules, you don't get to call yourself a Baptist. If you don't follow this, you can't be a Lutheran. If you don't do this, you're not a Catholic. If you don't do that, and we just tag all these little things on it. I'm a Christian. Yeah. I love it when people ask me, well, like, what do you follow? What's your, what's your, I said, Bible. Yeah. I mean, I, well, no, but I mean, like, what do you guys believe? <laughs> Bible. That's so weird to people. Well, no, I mean, what do you think about this and this? Well, the Bible says, the Bible's our brains. I don't have an answer out of what I want to believe. I don't get to believe whatever I want to believe. I get to believe the Bible. It's not even a have to, I get to. Because you don't have to. There's plenty of people that don't. And I just figured if I was going to believe one page of it, I might as well believe them all. From from the beginning to maps, right? (laughs) I mean, I might as well believe every bit of it. Because if I was going to call into question any of it, then I'd have to call into question all of it. It's either all the truth or it isn't. It doesn't mean that I have it figured out to a complete understanding. How many of you, your parents told you a thing and you thought, why? I don't get it. But they were seeing some things you didn't know and that's the Bible. There's some things there that you're going to figure out that you won't have a complete revelation of it today because you'd mess it up right now anyway. You don't need to know all that right now. And yet there it all is for us at any time, at any moment when God wants to reveal himself by the Holy Spirit through the word of God to you, man, you'll grab a hold of it. And it's always sitting there waiting for you. And so true Christianity is where the almighty God himself personally, imagine Jehovah God, the almighty God personally coming into union with mere man. Not, leaving us no longer simply as man or women, but as God men and God women. And don't get that twisted. You're not the same person. You are a new creature. You're not the same. Never seen before. What that statement means is a never seen before species. There's never been another one of you, and there never will be. And God moves in us in the same way that his anointing will not be the same as mine, and yet at the basis of all of it, it's God, and yet he knows each individual personality that he can use because he needs to. And that's why he talks about the body. My finger doesn't do the same thing as my toe, yet I need all of it together working simultaneously, but it doesn't have the same power or the same function, but you need every bit of it. And that's each one of us individually, that it doesn't matter what you're called to do or to be or what you think your anointing is or I'm never gonna stand up there and preach. Thank God for that. But you can't out here. And it might just simply be, God loves you. I mean, that's what turned to high witch of the four corners. God loves you. And the truth of it is, he does. And it's truth that makes people free. And it might just be that. It might just be that. God's leaving you and I on a supernatural level. Again, this is not some ticket to heaven, so don't cheapen this thing. I'm talking about God moving into mankind. See, this is what I love about our religion. We have a God that did everything for us and every other religion. It's like, you gotta do everything for that God and he still don't like you. Our God's like, do it or don't, but I still love you. Isn't that amazing? But God moving into mankind, think about God coming into union with mere man and what that does to mankind. If you can truly grasp this this morning, that the almighty God is right there on the inside of you, what would that cause you to do? 
What would be impossible? We're not talking about simply adhering to a few principles found in a book. We're talking about not, to, not just believing politically different than other groups. We're talking about where God invested everything he is into man, and now he wants to reveal himself through men and women. Yes, women. We believe that here. Can women preach? Can women prophesy? Can women pray? Can they lay hands on the sick? Yes. Because guess what? In Christ... There is no he, she. He solved that right away. It's just us as the body. So we don't have God's deity, but we do have his power. We have his life. We have his anointing. Romans 8 and verse 11, this is how the Amplified gives us a clue. And if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Ghost. That's what it says over in Ephesians, that that spirit moved in to Jesus and quickened his body. All of a sudden he came alive and it says, but if that same spirit who raised him up, Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised up Jesus Christ from the dead will also restore to life your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in your flesh. Not just the spirity things floating around. He said, it is in your physical body, the spirit of God. Imagine what that means in your body. To have the spirit of God living in your body, the same spirit that took Jesus' dead body and said, nope, we gotta come back. What could that do for you? What should that do for you? What should that do every time you run into somebody? That the spirit of God, that it's not Donnie Allen, but the spirit of God, the kingdom has just come nigh you. And it's not an arrogant thing to say. He said, say it. You tell him, because that's the truth. What do you think that does to mortal flesh? It leaves us on a supernatural level. Why do you think the Bible says that we can lay our physical hand on a sick person and they would get healed? Well, it's because there's something in my body now that's not Donnie Allen. No, this used to hold a, a beer every weekend or two or three or 12 or 24. Used to smoke a joint with this hand shoot up with this hand, hurt people with this hand. He said, but I'm gonna take that hand and heal people. But you're gonna have to change. Christ is gonna have to move into your body. But when he does, that same hand that was used for sin all that time, now all of a sudden it can be used to heal and to love and to do the works and to be blessed by God. It's still us, but we're not us anymore. He's still gonna use us, we're just not us anymore. Praise God. And so here's the deal. He's looking to, to reveal himself through men and women in this day. And so it's like this. It's the new wineskins hold the new wine. Isn't that right? The Bible talks about that. The new creatures, new wineskins are needed to hold new wine. We're in a different season. New wineskins, what does that mean? God's gonna do something to you to be able to open you up to be able to hold what it is that he has for you in this season. And he talks about that. There are different seasons in our lives. Uh, it talks about in Daniel 2, God changes the times and the seasons. How many of you are in a different season? Yeah. How many of you about done with this season though, <laughs> right? Praise God. Well, that comes when you realize that God's trying to restore the wine skin. He's trying to remake you to hold what it is. So there's gonna be some stretching. That doesn't always feel good. There's gonna be some growth. There's gonna be some things happening to you because God wants to make room for bigger things on the inside of you. He's got something new and refreshing for you right now that he can put in you that you've never experienced. That's called moving from faith to faith and glory to glory. We don't get to stay in the same glory that we had before. 
And that's what's been bothering us. We're so uncomfortable. I don't like this anymore. What I used to like about it, I don't like anymore. It's not satisfying to me to just to get to come on a Sunday morning anymore. I need more. Why? Well, because you're moving. He's, he's, he's creating new wine skins to hold. So don't look at what you think you can do now and can't do now. That doesn't count. He's giving you new so that you can. He's doing a regeneration on the inside of you. We need it to hold the new wine that's being poured out in, in, into us on this season. Uh, Luke 5, 37 and 38, and no one pours new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the fresh wine will burst the skins and it's gonna be spilled and the skins will be ruined and destroyed. See, this is why there's so many churches, so many ministers, so many people of God that refuse to allow him to do a thing in them, but they're missing the new. Why isn't anything happening? I know the new has come. We're, we, talk, we talk about it, right? We prophesy. We, we say all these amazing things are coming, and we're standing here. Well, why ain't it happening? Because you're refusing to allow God to do a work on the inside of you so that you can receive it. He's doing a thing, but if you want it, you're going to have to allow him to redo you. But once he does, you're going to be able to receive what it is that he has for you in this season. The new wine must be put into fresh wine skins. There is a freshness available to those that would receive it today. A fresh pouring out upon the believers to walk in this dispensation and to really begin to manifest the original wine. Isn't that right? The original power of God to be poured through them and to the lost and th thirsting hordes of humanity. But here's the thing. It's just like when Jesus spoke to that woman at the well. Remember, this is a woman that's up to what? Five, five husbands? Oh, and the guy you're with right now is not even. And here's Jesus hanging out with this chick. We always find him hanging out with these people, right? The, the woman caught in the act of adultery. I'm with her, not with you. Now he's up here with this woman and everybody, they're like, what are you doing up here with her? You can't be seen up here. He's like, this is exactly, listen, I'm called to the sick. It's the sick that need the physician, not the healthy. Isn't that what he would say? Why are you hanging out with sinners? Well, who else needs me? You can't just hang out with Christians all the time, blessing and re-blessing, prophesying and re-prophesying. You tell me something, I'll tell you something, yay. We're just scrimmaging in here. We're just going back and forth scrimmaging and there's a real game going on out there. We're just in here scrimmaging though. Then you get out there and get your, your socks knocked off, you know, because you're like, what happened? We're just scrimmaging in here. You got to get out there. But I love that he was speaking to this woman and he said, if you would ask me, I would give you living water. I would give you something on the inside if you would, if you would ask me right now, because she didn't feel worthy to hold it. The old wineskin used up five, six guys, couldn't, man, I mean, she's coming up there at that hour of the day because she knew everybody was talking about her. She didn't want to be seen. She was tired of being talked about. So she was going to come get water at a different time when not all the gossip around the water cooler wasn't happening. And she's up there and Jesus says, if you would ask me, I'd give you something and you would never thirst again. But there would have had to have been a regenerating on the inside of her. And that's what he was saying is, yeah, I'm ready to use you. And she's the first woman to get to go back and say, here's what Jesus said. The first woman to get to say, this is what Jesus, I just had a talk with Jesus face to face. And he said, man, you, you ask, you'll never thirst again. There's a supernatural supply and we have that just sitting at the bottom of our wells. You know, the Bible speaks about our bodies being containers often. You know, it talks about that, that these bodies would hold a supply. And listen, don't think it of a light thing. We need these bodies until we run our race. So, so you know, because people are like, what are you worried about the flesh for? Well, I need it right now. Well, you ought to be more worried about, no, you need to be worried about every bit of it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not worried, but you know what I'm saying. No, I need this flesh. It's a container. It's holding the power of God. But I love that old song that we used to sing in the Baptist church when I was young. 
And I think of it every time we talk about this because it didn't mean anything to me then. And we're in the Baptist church and it didn't really mean anything to them either. And I couldn't believe it now that I think back at what they were singing. I'm like, good Lord, if we would have caught on to what we were saying, it was a hymn out of the book, page 125, and the organ in her bun and them Baptist ladies, hey, they saved my life. Those old hens prayed for me all the time. They did. They were. They are a bunch of pecking little hens, but they prayed for me all the time. But what did it say? I got a river of life flowing out of me. Now, wait a minute. For you to have something flowing out of you would mean what? You'd have to be filled up, right? We need to get our wells filled up first so that we can pour out to the world. But I love, this is the song in the Baptist church. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It does what? It causes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors and sets captives free. How? Because I have a river of life flowing out of me. Then it said, spring up, O well, within my soul. Spring up, O well, and make me whole. Spring up, O well, and give to me that life abundantly. What a powerful song to sing in the Baptist church about the supernatural works of God through you. That it would pour through you and you would see supernatural works out of a Baptist song. It was amazing. What's even better, this power that I'm talking about isn't just for the goody two-shoes, those with uh, time spent in years of service and then someday. There's a, a very common religious spirit that I see running through church today, again, that says you gotta have it all together before God can. Well, my God, if Jesus was gonna wait to use perfect people, then it's never gonna happen. He picked the wrong 12. That group, he could have done better. I mean, if we were basing it off a of religion, he purposely chose these guys that were fishermen, kind of a rough crowd. And we see that a lot, right? Peter cussed out a little girl denying Christ. After spending three years personally with Jesus, walking, talking, seeing the miracles, and when it came down to it, he cusses out a little girl, cussed her out and said, I don't know him. God knew exactly what he was getting into with that guy. Thrust him to the balcony 50 days later to introduce the Holy Spirit after he did that. He didn't use perfect people, not at all. But that is kind of a religious thing that's running through, again, I see it running through here, uh, people that have done that. And it's a lie because, again, Jesus never would have got anything done waiting on mankind to get their stuff together. But here's a surprise. Jesus never used perfect people. He used pure hearts, though. How many of you have a heart to just, I just want to do what he says to do. The apostle Paul was that way. The apostle Paul said, look, why do I always do the things I know I'm not supposed to do? And I can't seem to do all the things that I know I'm supposed to do. But even with that, I'm going to run my race. I'm going to keep on keeping on. That that sin and those shortcomings aren't going to stop me because he's using me and I've got to keep running my race. And it's so important that you keep running your race because you have something supernatural on the inside of you for endurance. And that's all that Paul was saying is, no, I know these hurdles have come. I didn't sign up for hurdles, you know, but here they are. They're in my life and I'm running this race and, and, and they keep trying to slow me down and I'm, I can't even do the things that he tells me to do and I know I should. And I'm not doing the things he does tell me to do and I know that I should be doing those things and I, I just, I can't seem to get it together, but I'm gonna keep running. What other choice do I have? I've gotta keep running. I've gotta keep going. I've gotta keep manifesting the power of God. I've gotta keep moving forward and you've always gotta keep Moving forward, so I love this, that it's not just for the, for the pulpit preacher says, if any man, if any man or woman, we know when it says man, we're talking mankind, if any man be in Christ. To be in Christ means you're no longer independent, but you're in him, and if you're in him, that means that Christ is in and upon you. 
I'm in these clothes, but these clothes are upon me. And it ought to be that recognizable that when I see you, somebody ought to say, what is that? You ever had somebody say that? What is, what is that about you? Oh, that's just Christ. That's just Jesus. I put him on today. <laughs> Decided to wear him today. <laughs> that's all. Come on, we have a choice to make. John 17 and verse 23, I and them and you and me, this is Jesus talking. I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and that you loved them as much as you love me. Jesus said, people need to know this, Father God, that you love them as much as you love me. Did he love his son? Yes, he did, but he loves you just the same. Exactly the same. Why? This is why Jesus had to come. When we think about that statement being compared up against Jesus, man, we see how perfect he was, the miracles he did, and then we see all of our sins and shortcomings. And he said, no, 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 that's why I sent Jesus, so that when I see you, I see Jesus. Made in the very image and the likeness of God Almighty, it says. Because he had to do that because he knew we would never be able to do that, so he had to send Jesus, and now we're in him. Now when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. That I love, that you would love them, Father God, as much as you love me. That's a big statement. When I say God loves you, you better know that God loves you. His only begotten, he says that he loves us the same. So Dr. Loretta Allison, how many know uh, Dr. Loretta Allison from over at Walk on Water? Pastor Larry and Loretta over at Walk on Water. She shared this, and I won't butcher it real bad, but she was sharing this story that she had. She had, I think, I don't remember if it was a dream or a vision, which I don't remember, but she, she shared this story. That she was sitting in this big conference table in this huge room where there was balconies, and God was sitting right across the table from her. Now, she didn't describe him or say that, but you know, she knew, right, that, that, that was God sitting there. And angels were coming and going, you know, because that's what they do. They're always moving. They're always going. And so God's across from her. These angels are, are coming in above the balcony. And as she's talking with God, these angels are doing stuff in real time. Like she's, she says something and they're, they're gone. She's saying something and they're going. Because how many of you know you do, ha you do have that kind of power? That when you speak things, there are angels. And it's not that we have to believe in the angels, but you understand you have some. And they are messengers. They're sent ones, Right? But the point that I want to get to was this part of the vision. So she's sitting there with God, and Jesus uh, was, was there somewhere in, the, in this story. But she's sitting there, and God called her son. And in her mind, she said, I'm a woman. I'm female. And now, in all this happening, you know, it's this quick, God perceiving her thoughts, as they came into her mind immediately, she's saying, he, he called me son, I'm a woman. And God said, no, 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 I see you so much one with my son, I call you son. I see no difference. I see no difference. That you're in Christ. If any man be in Christ, this is what he's talking about. That when I look across the table, I didn't see Loretta and Jesus. And, no, I just saw Jesus in you. No, you're not him but you carry him. Just like they said with John the Baptist, that might be the Messiah. He wasn't the Messiah, but he was a carrier. He was infectious. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16 says what? Stop regarding each other by the flesh. 
Stop looking at the flesh. Stop reading a book by its cover. Oh, God could never, that, what? What? Listen, I really understand this because I wrote a Christian book called Seven Days with a Witch. I ain't touching that book. Oh, my God. <laughs> Reading a book by the cover. I mean, they're just like, I'm like, there are, there are, there's, there's over 100 scriptures in a, in a book with 80 pages called Seven Days with a Witch. But I understand that people are, look at the cover. Oh, my, I wouldn't touch that. Oh, my gosh. I wouldn't touch that. We have to stop regarding each other by the flesh and start regarding each other by the spirit. Don't look at that, that person. And, and how about this? How about, how about that person you're looking at in the mirror? Stop regarding that person by the flesh. Stop looking in the mirror and saying, no, we can't. No, we can't. No, maybe you can't, but don't regard that person. What about the spirit that's on the inside of that person? Can they? Yes, they can. We are in Christ and God's looking at you through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And he called her son, addressed her as son, perceived her thoughts and explained that we are so one with him that God doesn't see the difference in Christ. The angels saw no difference. When she was speaking, they were moving. When she was speaking, they were moving at her command. You know, the angels say, I wish I was like them. Didn't send Jesus to die for us. The Bible actually talks about that that these massive beings that people would see, they'd fall to the ground like dead men at the sight of an angel. And the angels are like, us? What about them? What angel did he send his son to die for? None, but he did for you so that he could possess your body, inhabit your body. You've been made in the very image and the likeness of God. Why? Because he knew what it was going to take to carry out this glory and this power. It was going to be new wineskins. We had to be made in his image, in his likeness. We got to get back to remembering whose we are, not just who we are. So I like this. Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? I don't care what my grandpa used to say. Jesus. (laughs) No, it's not his last name. Jesus, Joseph and Mary or whatever, I don't know. No, Christ is in reference to him being the Messiah, the Greek rendering of the Hebrew word Messiah. The Greek rendering, Curtis, of the Hebrew word Messiah. We, talk, we love to talk Greek and Hebrew. And we talk Ozark is what we talk. <laughs> I barely know English. The Greek rendering of the Hebrew word Messiah is the anointed one and his anointing. So the word anointing is something that the church has taken and made very uh, mysterious and mystical. And ooh, the anointing. Did you feel the anointing? You know, and we interchange that with power probably. But truly the word anointing or anoint is really something that is quite less than that. It simply means to rub on or to pour over or to smear in. Some of you anointed yourselves with uh, with, uh, lotion this morning. Some of you with perfume, some of you with, you know, whatever. But it's to rub on, to pour over, or to smear in. Remember that because that's what anointing means. So rubbed on and poured over. Why is this important in Christianity? Luke 4 and verse 18, remembering that you are in him, right? Same spirit. Same one, Jesus speaking, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those that are oppressed. Well, Jesus was anointed. What was that? You know, because we're like, ooh, that, what was that then? Jesus was anointed. He just said it, I was anointed. Acts 10, 38, and I love this one because I like to place my name into this one all the time. And you should too. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. We talk about that. And what else? Power. 
We forget about the power. Oh, I've got the Holy Ghost. You also have power. He made it very distinct with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. How God anointed Jimmy with the Holy Ghost and power to go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil because God was with him. The Holy Ghost and power, the same Holy Ghost and power that Jesus was anointed with. So now we have Jesus anointed with what? He said it right here. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me with what? The Holy Ghost and power. That's what the anointing is, is you being rubbed on, poured over, and smeared into with the Holy Spirit of God and power, that it's rubbed into you. Now, when I worked in the oil field, we had to take all these classes because you couldn't get stuff on your skin. Super dangerous stuff will soak right into your body, get in your bloodstream, and it could cause cancer and do all this stuff. So we had to have all this stuff. Now imagine God saying, I'm going to take and rub onto your skin the very power of God, the anointing and the power to get into your body, that it would seep into your very being, that you have been anointed. You have been, imagine being rubbed on and poured over by God himself, where God takes everything he has and he rubs that on you and pours it into you till you're dripping with God. They used to say of Smith Wigglesworth that he was so anointed that he would walk on a train and men would fall down and cry and beg for God just by him walking by them. Why? Because he was so anointed, he was dripping with God. That when people got around him, whew, come on, how many of you have been in the presence of God where you're like, whoa, you know, this this is big. He carried that in human flesh. They used to say that at Smith Wigglesworth. He'd, they, they would walk by and he'd be like, whoa, uh, Kenneth Hagin was that way. When I, went to, when I went to school and Kenneth Hagin, he'd just be out walking. And all of a sudden you're like, he was right there walking with you to class. But you'd start to feel that, mm, reading my mail. He wasn't. He's just, he's just going to class. But it was so funny to watch people. You'd be like, whoa. Why? Because of the anointing that was upon him. Not because he was special, it's because he carried it, that he stayed full. My dad used to say this, run off the top of the tank. Be, the Bible says in Ephesians, be being filled with the Spirit of God. Stay running off the top of the tank. That's all these guys were doing. They weren't special, they just were always filled, right? They were always filled. And you'd get around that and it'd get on you. You know, it'd start to get on you. And we have to start being the same way. That's why there's new wine skins for new wine. He didn't have to say a word, and he wasn't even thinking about it. He's just walking to class just like the rest of us. But I love this, the spirit of the Lord, the same spirit that you have, Acts 10, how he was anointed, rubbed on and poured over by the spirit, Holy Spirit. And then I love this, he says, you go tell the boys, uh, he told those boys, you go wait for the promise of the Father that I'm sending you, the Holy Spirit, the same spirit. He said, I want you to have the same one. Jesus said it was so important. Curtis and I were just talking about this. Imagine Jesus saying, it's better for you that I'm out of here. What? Jesus, the son of God, born of a virgin, the very son of the almighty God says, it's better for you that I leave. Why? So that I can send you another, the Holy Spirit, who won't just be with men, but he'll be in men. He'll be in you. You better recognize what it is that Jesus did It wasn't to get you to heaven, it was to get heaven into you. That the Holy Spirit had to leave heaven and Jesus had to go up and he had to come down. And then he moved into each one of us. The very Holy Spirit, when they stood in that room on that day, each one of them had an individual fire, didn't they? That was just the Holy Spirit resting on each one of them. 
that it wasn't just some big corporate thing like, oh, we all got the thing. It was each one of them individually having their own fire to go forth and to do the things that God was gonna call them to do. So to be anointed or anointing, as we would say, is not just the rubbing on or pouring over of any old thing, but rather that you have been rubbed on and poured over by the very spirit of the almighty God himself. Now, what do you think that does to somebody? What do you think that does when a hand of a believer now touches somebody? That there would be something in your DNA that when you touched them, it would leave God behind. Because I can touch this shirt and my DNA is all over it. I can't see it, but it's there, isn't it? It's all there. I can't see it, but it's there. They could take it and they could find my DNA all over this. And then if you took this shirt and wore it, my DNA would be on you. And it's the same thing with the power of God on the inside of a believer. The very Holy Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, never seen before, new in quality and kind, never existed. There's never been an anointed you until now. So what would change you? Well, DNA, right? Now you've been rubbed on and poured over and infused. And so maybe I say it this way, John 15, four and five, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. What fruit? Same fruit, John 14, 12 fruit. The works that I do as the vine, you do as the branches. Did Jesus do some pretty amazing supernatural stuff? Well, you too. Because he's the vine and we're the branch. And I love what it, where it places the uh, manifestation on, the branch. Well, Jesus, I wish you, and he's like, no, 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 you're the branch. You bear much fruit. I'm the vine, you're the branch. That means we ought to be seeing manifestations everywhere that we go. Jesus fruit. There ought to be fruit coming out of us everywhere that we go. Everything we say, everything we do, everything they see. He's the vine, we're the branches, and we're connected to him, we're one, and we have that same thing flowing through the branches that comes up through the vine because he's connected to the root, which we know is the Father God, of course. It's all right there. But I love that that's the side effect. The branches bear much fruit. So how has that happened? It's called, the, it's called engrafting. If any man be engrafted into Christ is what one translation says of 2 Corinthians. Well, you understand what, what grafting is, right? When a, when a plant, when a branch breaks off of a plant, that you can put that back into that plant and you can graft that, right? And, it, and it'll receive it back in. And so what has to happen though is that the vine has to be wounded with the same wound that the branch has. Jesus was wounded with mankind's condition so that we could fit right into him and be engrafted back together. Because what does it say? We were all branches out there that had broken off and man, they could be cast into the fire. But see, we reconnected through the engrafting process that we were out there, but he was wounded with our condition and he put us right back in there and wrapped us up in that love. And now what's coming through the roots, coming into the vine is coming into you. And none of us are separated from him now. It's everything that was in him has come up into us. You're not God, but you're just like your father. No, my son's not his father, but he's just like his father. He'll never be me, but he's just like me. What's, what's DNA? Divine nature of the Almighty. What's the divine nature of the Almighty? Just love. Everything that he ever did, everybody that he ever healed, everybody that he ever touched, everybody that he ever, he ever did anything for, it was all based out of love. And that's the thing that we have to remember, is that everything that we do would really ask the question, what would love do? 
what would love do? Because God is love. It's not just an emotion. He is love, and that's what we got. Would love allow that person to stay that way? No, then go get them. Go get them. Would love allow that person to feel like they're, they're that way? And say, no, 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 then go get them. You have the very DNA of God, the divine nature of the Almighty on the inside of you, and it's just love. That's all it is. What would love do? Luke 10, 9, and heal the sick there and then say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. He said, you go tell them that the kingdom has come. Why? Because you're standing there with the very spirit of the almighty God on the inside of you. That same spirit that was there, but now he's here. Jesus said, I've got to go so I can send him. Holy Spirit's not sitting up there. He's down here inside of us, working through us right now. And so again, this is is not just to get into heaven, but heaven is in you. And what's coming up through the roots is coming into the vine and into the branches and there's gonna be fruit. So I hope you can see that today, glory to God. That's what we're talking about here is that we've gotta go bear much fruit. But you can. An orange tree doesn't try to be an orange tree. It just is. And you know it how? Because I see the fruit. I see the fruit. How are they gonna know us? It says by our love. But what would love do? See, it's not just being lovely people because you won't always be lovely. Jesus flipped tables. Did he love people though? He, he cracked a whip and drove people out and flipped tables and ran them out. But did he love? Yeah, yeah. So it's not always gonna look the way that everybody thinks that it looks. But why did he do it? So that healing could come back into the temple. And as soon as he ran all that out, those people came and they were healed. We've got to start manifesting the love of God through us however that comes, whatever fruit that is that manifests in your life. And we get this awesome privilege to do it. And so again, there's no striving because again, apple tree doesn't strive to produce apples. So why are we striving to produce Jesus fruit? Good enough, bad enough, did I do enough? Did I read enough? Did I pray enough? Did I do this enough? Did I do that enough? None of that matters. You are who you are. And if you're connected to him, you can't help but produce the fruit. So stop trying to allow things to disconnect you because listen, if the devil couldn't do it then, don't let anything happen now that you're in him. If he couldn't keep you from accepting Jesus Christ, why are you allowing him to keep you from him now? We get into this thing and we act like we lost it somewhere, but back when we didn't have it, we strived to want it and we understood we got it. And now we're a dog chasing its tail trying to get something we already got because the world's telling us you're not good enough to have that tail. Well, it's my tail. I can't help it, I just have it, I was born with it. I don't have to chase it anymore, it just is what it is. And that's all that God is saying to you today is that you've, you have it. Whatever it is, you got it. You got it. I like this, John 15, five through eight, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Yes, yes. If anybody does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. But if you do abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. My father is glorified by what? Your church attendance, your tithing record, how good you've been? No, he said, by the fruit that you bear, my father is glorified. We wanna see God glorified? Get out here and get people healed. Get out here and expose them to the love of God. Get out here and love the hell out of somebody's life and God will be glorified. Not by how much Bible you know. This world doesn't know if you got the exact address right. Well, John 15, eight said, well, you know, the Greek rendering of the Hebrew word. And like, I don't care. They're dying and going to hell. And they just wanna know that there's a God that loves them right now where they're at. 
I told you guys we had these lesbians. We seem to have this thing where I'm able to minister to, to lesbians. I don't know what that is. And they come to our services, which I don't, I, it's amazing. I remember I was in New Mexico and this lesbian couple back there, and they were, they were older. They'd been partners for a long time. But I remember one of them was dying from cancer. And she brings her partner up to the front to be healed that night. Would God heal a lesbian? Where else are they supposed to be? Well, I remember a guy contacting our show and said, you'd probably let lesbians. I'm like, I'd let them in before I'd let you in. Come sit by me. Where else are they supposed to be? Good God. Guys, I'll tell you what, if you stick around here long enough, we're, we're praying for witches, prostitutes, lesbians, gays. <laughs> here. <laughs> come here. <laughs> Alcoholics, drug addicts. Yeah, come here. We used to tell people when we had our tent revivals, bring your beer cooler and sit in the back. I don't care. You need to smoke, sit in the back. Just get there. Amen. Sit back there and crack open a Budweiser and listen to Jesus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, because that spirit won't override that spirit. I'll tell you that right now. Where else are they supposed to be? Come on. Praise God. We're like Christ. What an honor. So these lesbians came, came forward, and she's dying of cancer, and they're crying because they're just sure that God wouldn't do anything because she's a lesbian. I said, oh, but God loves you. Well, I'm a lesbian. I said, uh-huh. And God loves you. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but I said, yeah, yeah, I know. But God loves you, though. But God loves you. And the cancerous lump disappeared off of her body. Still as a lesbian. She didn't say, I'm done. God loves people. No, it's no excuse, but my Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds even much more. That's Bible. Oh, they're getting away with something. Then you talk to him about it. He's the one that set it up that way, not me. They're not getting away with anything, but they've got to know that they can't do anything about their condition without him. And they've got to know that right where they're at, that God would move in their life as a lesbian couple and heal that cancer. Why? Because God is a healer. And he cannot help but heal because he's a healer. Don't you regard anybody by the flesh and you get out here and produce fruit and it doesn't matter to whom, that is not up to you. It's for everybody. And if you are in Christ, Christ is in you and upon you and you have every right to walk out here and get in the middle of somebody's situation and change it. The love of God was exposed. I don't know what happened to them later. I know another lesbian couple that we had that we called them out, and I told you they were acting up. This was like a youth event, and they were back there acting up, and I mean just being stupid about it and like really trying to be vulgar about it during this thing. And, and they came forward down there and still holding hands and just all over each other. I mean, just being stupid. I mean, no couple in here would do the things that they were doing. They were just trying to prove a point. And I walked up to them, and they're ready. Like, they're ready. They're like, bring it on, preacher. Like, they just wanted to lay into me. And I said, you too? And they're like, mm, yeah. God loves you. <laughs> what? I said, no, he just wanted me to tell you that he loves you right here where you're at. And I just walked off. And she's like, well, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, what? No, God loves you. By the, that's all I said. Didn't preach at him about nothing. By the next day, they both found me and said, hey, we're done with that. Something happened overnight supernaturally where God showed them what real love was, that they didn't have to have an unhealthy relationship, whether it be lesbian, gay, or any couple for that matter, that you didn't have to have that relationship, and God exposed his love. Why? Because I bear much fruit. And it was just me telling them the truth because, see, they were told a lie that God doesn't love them because they're lesbians, but the truth made them free. No, God does love you. 
And that's the truth. We have to bear much fruit, friends, because when we say those words, God loves you, it's supernatural. It's not just words because we bear much fruit because everything we do is spirit-led and it's led by love and it is a supernatural love. And that's what we're doing is bearing much fruit. To announce that I am a Christian doesn't make you a type of person that adheres to a particular belief system or that you're some a part of a fanatical right-winged group, but rather that God has rubbed on, poured over, placed you in him and in Christ. It says, if any man be in Christ. Aren't you glad this works for everybody? If any man be in Christ. If any woman be in Christ, you're a new creature. Well, I would guess so. If God just rubbed himself on you and poured himself over you, how could you ever be the same creature that you used to be? And again, I'm not talking about your fruit little sins. That's fruit of a root problem. Get to the root. You got to start realizing who you are and you won't, you won't be doing that anymore. I don't care about your sin. That's just fruit. That means nothing to me. So you think of superheroes and, and I'm sorry, they're not real. I know for some, it's, that's a hard thing. I know, I'm sorry, Curtis. You might want to leave. When you look at Spider-Man or, or, or uh, Hulk, right? Both normal men, you know, both normal, normal guys, average men with normal human powers. But once something was introduced to them, Peter Parker got hit, got bit by a, a radioactive spider, right? Something had to be introduced into him. He was just a mere man, but an outside influence was introduced into his body. Uh, Dr. Bruce Banner, it was gamma rays. Gamma rays hit him from the outside. Something got infused into his flesh. Something happened, and it was introduced into his body. Both men became new creatures with superhuman powers, but they were still human, right? They were still human, but now they were humans with a power that was not their own because of an outside influence. So when any man or woman is in Christ, you're still human. You still get to be you, but there is something that is infused on the inside of you from the outside that's way more powerful than a spider bite or gamma rays. It is the anointing, the spirit of God that is introduced into you that at any time you want to hulk out, you can. And I suggest just like Hulk when Hulk mad, then you should manifest the spirit of God and Hulk out, right? You're pushing my buttons. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> That's what needs to appear, not the other, <laughs> not that dead man. Stop resurrecting that dead man. You got to Hulk out in the spirit, amen? So yeah, we're still human. We're just not only human. We're new creatures containing supernatural power. And so we always would say it this way, it's the super rubbed on your natural creating supernatural. God's super rubbed on your natural creating the supernatural. It's Christ in you. You're a new creature. When the new birth happens, when anybody accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God rubs on them and pours into them, causing the old things to pass away. So it makes, it makes sense to me then it's not about the absence of some things. It's about the presence of someone. It's not about getting those things out. It's getting him in. And the more that we get him in, it's the law of displacement, the more those things will get out. And so don't focus on the sins and the shortcomings and the things and I gotta strive to do a thing. Just get more of him in and automatically it pushes everything out. This is why they always talk about vine and branches. I used to work for a, a lawn care company years ago and they'd go and infuse these trees with things that would fight off bugs and stuff. It wasn't about getting the bugs off. It was about getting the tree filled with something that would repel the bugs. So it was getting it filled up so that the bugs couldn't bug it anymore. And you've gotta get filled up so that the bugs don't bug you anymore. So it's more than turning over a new leaf or doing a 180. Being born again is where everything that God has is placed 
into mankind. And it's something that your mind can't comprehend. It's spiritual. Because how can your brain ever comprehend a most holy God coming into absolute union with mere man so much so that it drives the sin out of man and leaves that man the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? What? But it's true. My mind can't figure that out. Why that would happen. Unrighteousness to righteousness. Christianity has become a bunch of moral codes and particular belief systems. And I think this is why we have so many denominations and so many doctrines and, and, and it's just this belief system. But true Christianity is Christ revealed inside of mankind. It's mankind submitting to God and allowing him to possess you. The devil didn't create possession. They're possessed by the devil. Those people had to yield to something. He didn't just possess them or he'd possess you. The Bible says neither give place, but if you give place, well, guess what? In the same way, you can give place to the Holy Ghost and he can possess you. He can overtake you. He can cause you to do things that you wouldn't do and respond in ways that you wouldn't respond. Thank you, Jesus. But on the positive side, not on the negative. So everything that we see in the negative, the, the devil being a, a, a counterfeiter and how they're possessed and how they act different and how, he, how many, you can tell when somebody's possessed by a devil. You ever seen somebody? Maybe, you, maybe it was you. <laughs> Maybe. We've had some of that here, haven't we, Ricky? Yeah. But in the same way, they ought to be able to tell. By the fruit, being possessed by the Holy Spirit of God, there ought to be characteristics or things that we are seeing that you talk different, that you act different. Your mannerisms are different. The way the world thinks and you think ought to be growing wider. Uh, the way the world talks and you talk ought to be growing wider. The things that the world does and you do ought to be, that gap ought to be growing wider, not smaller. So how deep is this? I want you to see this. In Colossians 2, 9 and 10, we're almost done. So we're talking about Jesus. For him, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We don't argue that, right? We, we understood that. That inside of Jesus dwelled all the Godhead in his body, in the fullness. We understood that. But that's not the end of the scripture. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. The 20th century revised says it this way, for in Christ the Godhead in all of its fullness dwells incarnate. Incarnate just simply meaning God moved into flesh. We believe that, right? That, that uh, in Christ, God moved into his flesh. He was a man, but he was God. And we don't argue that one. So we don't argue that, but it goes on to say, and by your union with him, you too are filled with it. This is saying that the fullness of the Godhead dwells inside of you. The Williams says, for it is in him that the fullness of deity continues to live embodied, and through your union with him, you too are filled with it. The fullness of the deity lives inside of you. The fullness of the deity. I didn't ask if you felt like that. I didn't ask if you have some experience or dynamic testimony about that happening to you. The word of God dictates that if you are in Christ, you are now filled with the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That as you and I walk around this blue marble planet, we don't walk around as a Smith or as a Jones. We don't just walk around as normal men, but God men and God women. And again, don't get it twisted, but you're not just human anymore. There's something supernatural about you something different about you. And you've got to grasp this reality that you have something within you that truly is not of this world. A personal union with God. He's not just somebody else's father, God, and Lord, and Savior. He's yours. And because of that, he came into a personal union with you. One-on-one. One-on-one. 
Too often I'm seeing the people of God separating themselves from any personal union with God. I know we walk around with this mentality probably that we, we understand that God has some characteristics. We have this idea of the almighty God seated on the throne, you know, this, this massive being or however the world is portrayed it. We have this image in our mind with the voice of James Earl Jones. That's how my God used to talk. You know, James Earl Jones. And so we walk around with this mentality of, you know, Father God, and then, then we, we think of Jesus, right? There's God, then there's Jesus. And man, we think of Jesus, I mean, born of a virgin. And uh, I mean, walked on water and the miracles. And I mean, I mean he, he was God in human flesh. And we think of, and then all of a sudden we think of you and I, way over here as worms and unworthy. And I mean, there's God and there's Jesus, but then there's us. These lowly worms, these, these groveling little human beings, and we really separate ourselves from having any characteristics of God and whatsoever in our lives. Unrighteous and worms before God incapable of having any victory. And the truth is, before you were born again, yeah, you had nothing. You're on your highway to hell, right? The prophets, ACDC. You were on the highway to hell. We had to throw one in, Curtis. But when you ask Jesus into your heart, you now become at a place in this union where you and the Lord become one. You become one with him. Your faith, your faith, his faith becomes yours. His joy becomes yours. His peace becomes yours. His righteousness is now yours. And the right to totally terminate sickness and disease and cast out devils becomes yours. We've got to stop walking around like we don't have anything. You have it all. All of it. Can you imagine the almighty God sitting on his throne, sick and diseased and cowering down and in pain and worried about whoever's president and what's going on in China and who's doing what? He ain't sweating it. Nothing caught, he's not sitting on the edge of the, just. <laughs> Why are you? Why are you? Because guess what? You can do something about it. You can. Instead of griping, you could pray. Instead of praying, you could command and demand some things by the authority that's within you. You came into union with him and now the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you and you're manifesting his power and his goodness and his love to a lost and dying world. So I wanna finish with this idea. How extensive is this union? How deep does it go then? Really, 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 how deep is this? Is it something that we talk about just to build us up into this positive thinking or could this really, really become a reality? in your life right here. Extensive enough to just get you to heaven like a fire insurance plan? Well, I get to go to heaven, you know. Or could it be revealed into every quadrant of our natural and spirit beings, heaven in you? So 1 Corinthians 6, and I hope you understand that if what I'm saying is true, if we could really begin to walk into this reality of Christ in us, it would cause you to begin to see signs, wonders, and miracles everywhere that you go. No, you'd see it everywhere that you go. If you really understood what you had on the inside of you and how we don't wrestle with flesh and blood and how you could rebuke demons and demonic powers and things behind the scenes and lay hands on the sick and cast out devils and reveal the love of God to people, then we would be walking around and again, we would be seeing supernatural miracles, signs and wonders everywhere that we go. Let's check it out. 1 Corinthians 6, how deep is this relationship? 1 Corinthians 6, 14 through 17, and God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Not your spirit man. He's not talking about your little spirit man yet. He's talking about your body. Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ? To make his point, he says, shall I take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? 
Certainly not. Do you not know that he that is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For two, he says, shall become one flesh, but he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. One spirit. Not two. There's not you and him. That's when he looked down there and he said, son. One spirit. One spirit, not two. This is telling me that you and I, as we walk through this everyday life, when we see these situations and circumstances that life keeps tossing out at us and opposing us, that we gotta understand that we're equipped just like Jesus was equipped because we're one with him. As he is, so we are in this world, the Bible says. And this means that you are a move of God going somewhere to happen. You're no longer some weak, fragile, independent walking this earth in this fragile little shell all the time, but you have the power and the authority of the almighty God in heaven pulsating through your very being. He said one, we are one spirit. And you think about this because you understand man is made up of three parts. You are a spirit, the real you that'll live forever. You're a spirit that lives in a body that has a soul, your mind, will, and emotions. We're three-part beings created in his image, in his likeness. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all one, but they have distinct functions. You're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit, the real you, that'll live forever. Eventually, this body will fade away, but right now, we have a body. You have a mind, you have will, you have emotions. Three parts. You're a spirit and one spirit with the Lord. And so you think of some spiritual things like faith. Faith is a conviction that begins in the heart of a man, in the spirit of a man. Romans indicates that our faith comes by the hearing of the word of God, but not just academic faith like I heard a thing, but we accept that as truth into our heart. But when you come into union with him, this, this says that God gave to you his very faith. Can God believe for something? Like when he speaks, he expects things to happen. And he says, but I've given to you a very measure of my faith. Romans 12 and verse three, that God has dealt to every man a measure of faith, which means that we're not to sit around and try to generate some kind of man-made faith. We're not to sit around and think, well, I wonder what it is that I can believe. No, you are to yield to the reality that I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And I can believe every single thing that this book says that I can do. You can't generate. Paul didn't sit around and say, well, I'm an apostle. That's why I have faith. He didn't try to generate it off of just being somebody. It was what was on the inside of him. And you are not to just sit around and try to think what you can believe. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, he said, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I'm living by his faith that has moved into my body. Now imagine what a believer could do in their body if they actually believed just like Jesus. This is where what would Jesus do came from. I told you guys that we were in that, Matt and I got called to University Hospital one Sunday morning and there was a lady there that was on her deathbed. They're gonna pull the plug. The family's there. They're all saying their goodbyes. And a woman that knew us called and she said, this was her aunt. And she said, I'm here with a couple of my cousins and uh, we don't believe that. They're gonna pull the plug today and she's dead. She's been on machines. Everybody's been here. Will you guys come? So we drove up to University Hospital. We're, we're up there. We're sitting there. I'm, I'm telling you this because we got to start realizing what we have on the inside of us. And we're sitting in that elevator, just Matt and I, and we're going upstairs to go see these people. You know, and that music's playing, elevator music. We're just sitting there. And I hear just as loud as I'm talking to you, when you get to the room, will you comfort the family or will you raise the dead? I said, what? 
Matt said, what? I said, no, didn't you just hear that? I mean, I heard it just like I said it just now. What? He said, what? I said, no, I just heard when we get to the room, will we comfort the family or will we raise the dead? He said, well, we're not good at comforting the family. So, so we walked into that room. We commanded that woman to live. And by the next day, she was up. And by the end of the week, she went home living. They were going to pull the plug. She was dead living on machines. Why? Because I don't live by the faith of Donnie. I live by the faith of the son of God. What would Jesus do when he walked in there? He would command her to live. Just like he did when Jairus' daughter died and they said, don't bother the master, she's dead. He said, it ain't over. It ain't over because I didn't say that it was over. And Jesus walked in and commanded that little girl to rise. Peter commanded Tabitha to arise. Get up. He didn't ask and beg and pray. He said, get up. Why? Because I'm living by the faith of the son of God that gave himself for me. And we got to start realizing what we have on the inside of us. Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And make it deeper than a wristband and a bumper sticker and a t-shirt. What would he do? Do you believe the shirts you're wearing today that we have a God of miracles? Then what would he do? Do that. And do it with all the confidence that Jesus would do it with. That he expected to see it happen. Do it with all the confidence of Peter and John at a man at the gate beautiful. When they said, look, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I do have, you get up and arise in the name of Jesus Christ. And a man that hadn't walked for 30 years, he said, well, come on. He fully expected him to arise, and he did. He leaping and jumping, and what did they say? Oh, we didn't do this like it was something that we had going on. It was Jesus Christ and faith in that name is why he rose. What were they saying? We have the same faith. It was Jesus, and he gave us that authority and the right to do the same thing. And so you got to start speaking to your own situations. If you don't like them, change them. Stop griping and complaining and posting and whining and doing the thing. It's not working. What you're going to have to do is say, enough is enough. I'm drawing a line right here, and in the name of Jesus, whatever Jesus would do here, that's what I'm going to do. And you got to speak to some things. you got to find out your authority, whatever it is. But I love that this union, he says, that we have, that we are one spirit with the Lord. One spirit. And so usually when we try to decide if we have faith, we base it off of natural circumstances. Well, I still have the lump. I must not have faith. I still have the bills. I must not have faith. Don't, listen, faith is supernatural. Stop trying to determine if you have faith off of natural circumstances. The Bible says you have it. You have it. It's like when people say to me, well, I don't have any muscles. You all have the same muscles. If you want to see them, work them out. They're all there. It's all the same. And I don't, always, I don't ask the littlest guy in the gym what he's doing either. I ask the biggest guy. So watch who you're talking to. Don't ask people that don't believe what they think. I don't care what they think. Stop posting crap on Facebook and asking for everybody's opinion. You don't need everybody's opinion because these people don't believe like you believe. They're not in the spot that you're in. Stop asking for them to give you likes so that you can base your life off of likes. God loves you. He's not concerned about how many Facebook followers you have. Well, nine out of 10. My Bible's 10 out of 10. You know, it's pretty assured. I don't want the nine out of 10. I want the assurance of the word of God. You can believe anything the Bible says. We're just caught up in natural world circumstances surrounding us that we're no longer living in the reality of who we are in Christ. But as soon as you begin to meditate on God's word, you can become conscious of the reality of Christianity, the reality of God investing everything he has into you. And suddenly you can, you can form that conviction that I can do everything that Christ did. Isn't that what the apostle Paul said? 1 Corinthians 2.16. Well, I love 1 Corinthians 2.16 says we have the mind of Christ. So he said, our bodies are the member. We have the mind of Christ. 
and we have the faith of Christ. Our, our whole spirit being, whole, all three parts, spirit, soul, and body, are just like Jesus. Every single thing is just like Jesus. And I love that the apostle Paul said, I can do all things. He didn't say Jesus can. He didn't say God can. He didn't say the preacher can. Paul said, I can. He made it first person. I can do anything and everything. Well, it's because of Christ in me, no doubt. But he wasn't afraid to say that he could and then to set out and prove it. And guys, we have to stop with this false humility like, oh, I don't know. You do know. You do know. Go do it. Stop stepping back waiting for somebody else. You're it. When you're put into that situation, it's no by chance thing, friend, that you're there. You are to step up and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it. I don't need you to do it. I don't need you to do it. I'm gonna do it. Glory to God. That's not to say that we don't get help from some brothers and sisters when we need it, because you always will. But at the same time, there's just some things that you're gonna have to do that nobody else can do for you. And you're gonna have to stand up and you want your life to change, change it. You want, you want your money to change, change it. You want issues in your life to change, you gotta change it. There is power in speaking the word of God and doing what it is. And so what you and I see in the four gospels is exactly what you and I should be doing today, just like Jesus. And so, it's gotta, so our Christianity's gotta go beyond just good living, right? We so cheap into this thing. Well, I'm a Christian. I don't drink or smoke or cut. I mean, not as much as I used to. That's the reality for most of us. We're all still working to get our mouths redeemed or some other things, possibly. But we've so cheapened this thing into actions. Oh, you're a Christian. Have you ever had somebody say, well, how can you do that as a Christian? Well, you blankety blank, oh, I thought you were a Christian. I am. This thing's still learning. But I'm about to lay hands. Because <laughs> I'm a Christian. Don't make it that cheap. That's so cheap. Oh, Christian has to act this way, talk this way. Ah, that's not you anyway. Not now. Maybe you're moving from glory to glory and faith to faith and getting some things settled. But at the same time, you've got to do right where you're at. You've got to do what you got to do right where you're at. God knows right where you're at in your life. He knows exactly how you talk. He knows every thought you have. He knows every shortcoming. He knows everything about you. And he says, yep, you. You're the one that I sent to talk to this person today. But do you know what I just did five minutes ago? Yep, I was there. You need to repent for that, but we're gonna go on. And he's still gonna use you. And we gotta stop allowing this cheap little idea of what Christianity means. Because guess what? Everything that I do is Don Allen. I do it as Don Allen. And nothing says that I'm not Don Allen, even though sometimes I don't act like him. Like my mother would say, I didn't raise you that way. <laughs> well, I know. But I'm still your son, right? <laughs> it doesn't change anything. We have the very substance of the Almighty God running through our veins, friends. Even the words you speak accomplish some things. You're so one with Jesus Christ that if you lay down with a harlot, it says that he's laying down with a harlot, then it stands to reason that if my flesh hand is placed upon the sick, that when I touch somebody, that it's not me, but it's that it's Jesus Christ, his power running in and through me. We describe it this way. These cords mean nothing. Cords don't hold power. It's the power that we want. Now, all the power is in that outlet, in that wall. But if I gotta get it out, I gotta tap into it, don't I? So the cord is very important, but a cord just laying there unconnected is nothing. But when you're the vine, when he's the vine and you're the branches, I can plug into that thing and something can happen. And so a cord is nothing in and on its own. But man, when you plug it in, the cord has the same power as the wall has. 
But in order to do something, I gotta plug something into the end of that cord, don't I? That cord has everything that that, all the electricity I need is running through that big orange cord right there. Everything that I need, it's right there. Anything that I would need to do what it is that I need to do. And if I knew that I needed a larger cord with a larger gauge of wire and that type of thing, we could do that too. But it doesn't have to be a pretty cord. It doesn't have to be a new cord. It can be any old cord. I've got some downstairs that are wire nutted together with tape on it. I've got some that just have tape on it. That's probably not very safe at all, but it still, it still works. What I'm saying is this, you've got to allow God to work through you because it's just the same way. It's the same electricity and then you plug that into something else and nobody cares what the cord looks like. Don't worry about that. It's what you've got on the inside of you to be able to reveal the power of God to people. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I want to read this to you. Romans 8, 14. For many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For many that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You must be born again, friends. Verses 15 through 17, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by who we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if you are children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You are joint heirs with Jesus Christ of what? God. Everything that God has, Jesus had it. Isn't that right? And he said the level of our relationship is that we are joint heirs, co-equal inheritors with Jesus, that if he got it, you got it. Well, so what did, it's not just now, it's not just what would Jesus do, it's what did Jesus have? Because you have it. You have that this morning. Why don't you raise your hands right now and imagine the very spirit of God as he said, as he said, rubbed on, poured over, smeared into you. That that anointing is real, it's transferable, it's a real power, it's not something in the cosmos. Just like my DNA, you can't see it, but it's there. If I touched you, it'd be on you. Now the very DNA of God coming upon you right now, just imagine it, imagine it. So I want you to just right here, I want you to surrender to that and just tell him, God, whatever it is that you have for me, give it to me. for Church at the MHC, Sermon of the Week. I'm your host, Pastor Don Allen. Don't allow the title Christian to become all about moral codes and particular belief systems. To call yourself a Christian means I am like Christ. Not a like Christ wannabe. Walk like him, love like him, speak like him, manifest the miraculous just like Jesus. Because I am a Christian. Be sure to join us for church at the MHC every Sunday, 10 a.m. in person at the Midwest Healing Center, 728 North Main Street in Lori, Missouri, at the beautiful Lake of the Ozarks. Online live streaming video, Two Guys in the Bible Facebook page. Want to sow into the ministry? Two Guys in the Bible.com. Hit donate. Church at the MHC, where we love the hell out of your life. <laughs>